The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Somebody's dead. Now imagine somebody came up to you and said, I don't believe in words. But go, you know the you know the thing. You think that he was a fool. I have no idea what I'm doing, but I know I'm doing it really, really well. You wouldn't pull out a dictionary and give him evidence, and you wouldn't believe him. This is a mistake. Why would you call it that on your menu? Somebody comes up to you and says, I don't believe in God. We don't think they're a fool. No! We give them evidence. No! And we believe them. I'm not superstitious, but. I am a little stitious. When the Bible calls them fools, something has gone wrong. Yo, I had to wait till my dad fell asleep so I could steal his keys. Ready? I was born ready. It's about time that a talk show host comes along and shreds social commentary of the unnecessary fat of illogical, you know, inconsistent thought and gives you the rock solid truth and only that. Just give me all the bacon and eggs you have. So facts don't care about your feelings, right? But here's the other thing. Reality isn't waiting around for anyone to acknowledge it. Doesn't need it. You go by, you read some obscure passage and then pretend that you pawn it off as your own as your own idea just to impress some girls, embarrass my friends. When the scriptures are properly exegeted and that truth is proclaimed, it is authoritative whether we bow the knee to it or not. Wait. Welcome. Wait. I worry what you just heard oh, I was. This. Give me a lot of bacon and eggs. Welcome to the Skiologians and Cedar Skier Podcast Productions. This is another episode of Skiologians. We haven't had too many of these yet, but life's been really, really busy. So this is kind of our show where we like to talk a little bit about uh, the intersection of sports and other social topics, which unfortunately that has pretty much been all sports talk radio. So I apologize if you are fatigued of that. Uh, I I feel like now whenever you are reading uh, articles, about sports or you're on ESPN.com or you're listening to a, a talk radio show, you can't get more than five minutes in without cutting open a vein that is deeply political and then hear someone try to articulate their thoughts, which most of the time have uh, you know, no foundational consistency to them at all, um, and they think they're very smart as they say them. But and th- that's the one thing you know. We might not, we might not have the, the most popular opinions here, but we do strive for consistency, foundational consistency in our thoughts, uh, and and apologetic. And so we do work from that when we're when we're trying to defend our opinions and defend our faith. We work from a place of what is consistent. That is the marking of of truth and. It's frustrating because we, you know, the again, these arenas, sports, are becoming arenas for social and political discussion. And then you hear people talk who, who don't even care about internal consistency in their arguments. And it's very annoying. It's very frustrating. It makes my blood pressure rise. So if you came looking for a different sports talk radio show, I guess, in the one sense, you have come to the wrong place because it, there will probably be some discussion like that. But you may have come to the right place, too. Hopefully, it'll be refreshing and and uh, this will be a steady diet of, of internal consistency. Or, or if it's not, you can, you can respond to the, the talk show directly, to, the talk show host directly, right? Cedarskier.com. You can comment. You can uh, find me on Facebook as well and, uh, and hit me up there. I don't know if I should give up my email or, or my home address, but there's ways to find, find me and contact me, and I like bringing up topics on the show. So I would look forward to... To any responses and questions, and, and and if it makes me dig deeper, that's great. Okay, you're not going to get that on KFan. Dan Barrero is probably not going to respond directly to you. So, what's been going on here? Well, first of all, 
the Cedar Skier uh, factory team got a new Cedar Skier mobile. It's a Sprinter van, 2005 Dodge 2500 Sprinter van, turbo diesel, 2.7 cylinder engine, brand new. It's only got 70,000 miles on the engine. The, the car's got about 300K, but, you know, that's just a baby even for the engine. But we got Rhino coverings on the top, and so the exterior is just in excellent shape. It's got solar paneling, internal power, insulation, the whole nine yards, 170-inch wheelbase. This thing is the Cedar Skier Factory.com sponsored mobile. We're looking for sponsors. It's got a big white side face. If you want to uh, fork out some dough to sponsor the Cedar Skier team, uh, we will definitely and happily paint your company's logo on the side. So we, we also need some graphic artists and designers. So if you're if you're someone who wants to create a cedarskier.com logo um, for us and then go to town, uh, I would I would be thrilled about that. I, I'd really love to pull up to races and events and and even just general you know family gatherings or driving through town with the cedarskier.com logo going. It'd be fantastic. So I don't know you know exactly how that how that could be done, but this thing is great. Now we drove it from Grand Junction last week and uh, great warm sixty five degree day. By the way, I have biked in a lot of different places in the in uh, our country. Uh, Everywhere from northern Maine, southern Maine, Minnesota, central Minnesota, lakes country Minnesota, northern Minnesota, Iron Range, cent- uh, south central Minnesota, the, the Twin Cities area, uh, everything in Minnesota, uh, Colorado, right, San Luis Valley, south of that, New Mexico area, Albuquerque. I haven't gone to Santa, Santa Fe specifically, but just in that general area. Uh, southern Colorado, Trinidad, gravel roads there, Colorado Springs, road and gravel, uh, Denver road and gravel, Aspen road and gravel. I've seen a ton of different spots, and every time I go somewhere, I always kind of find this niche. Like, okay, this is this is uh, what kind of defines this area, or this is what it would be like to to live here. And I gotta say, after a weekend in Grand Junction, I'm starting to wonder if that is literally the greatest place of all time. And the reason is, I would say right now, you you kind of get man a little bit of every place that I just described. I found a piece of it in Grand Junction. It had a, it had kind of that uh, New Mexico, Southern Colorado weather vibe. It, you know, 65, 70, and it'll stay like that. You could ride your road bike there probably 10, 11 months a year in the city. It's at 4,900 feet, the actual city is, but then it rises up to above 10,000 in the Mesa. So they have an, um, apparently a phenomenal cross-country ski area in Grand Mesa uh, that has a season that lasts well into June. So I started following a guy on Instagram who has been putting some pictures up and, and so I, I was back going back in his history and 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 checking out you know what the grooming was like what it's what his spring skiing was like it looked phenomenal so skiing check warm weather cycling check good roads check check like I so I went you obviously have national monument you know that's a 30 mile kind of one of those like you, you would find the national monument road in <clears throat> Uh, seven wonders of the world book you know like that that would that could legitimately be featured in a book just a picture book about america because it's one of those just million dollar views million dollar everything's totally crazy and that's paved perfect blacktop everything and it's uh it's got some climbs but i think you could probably take you know a moderately experienced cyclist on it no problem so there's that road which I, i i would love to try roller skiing that road i think you could do it I don't think it would be even that frightening to do it uh, without a, a pre-cycling a run of it. But I, I actually didn't go into that road. 
all the way. I went up to the gate where you have to pay to get in. And I turned around and then took 340 along the outside of it, kind of like the other side of the of the canyon. And kind of expecting that to be, I don't know, it, you know, it's a bit on the map it looked like a bigger highway. So I'm, I'm thinking, oh, it's gonna, there's probably even tons of traffic. You know, who knows what the views will be like. I'll, I'll feel remote. No, it was this intimate, perfectly paved gravel road. And it started by going by all these brand new, really nice condo-y, not, 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 not like the condoies that you see stacked on top of each other in like the, the Vale Keystone area. You know, it's like these were like more townhome condos. And, and I looked it up too. There, there'll be 2,300 square feet, four bedroom t- kind of things, but elaborate brick schemes and huge windows. And, and they were spaced out next to phenomenal um, uh, Frank Lloyd Wright-esque type architecture, you know, individual houses. These were the ones well over a million, I'm sure, because they're looking over the city of Grand Junction. They're about 1,000 feet above the city proper and kind of outskirts of town. And then I'll be looking at the Grand Monument, National Monument on the other side. And then right there, so we're, we're sort of in between Grand Junction and National Monument. There's this, you know, as you're climbing up the slope, there are millions of miles of mountain bike trails. I mean, you can just see the single track littering and and stretching across the veins of this landscape. And so the trail running mountain biking scene there would be, I think that's actually what they're known for. Obviously, Fruta and Grand Junction together, they're trying to become like the new Moab. And um, I think they're being successful based on my my scouting report here. But yeah, that road that I was on, perfect pavement, quiet. I maybe had a couple of cars passed me the entire stretch not many at all and it was kind of the grade where uh gradual climbs big swooping hills nothing like that would kill you uh, at all and it was just an unbelievably glorious ride and so i took that that road and i took it all the way into fruta actually dipped down into that so grand junction fruit is sort of sitting in this flat valley so that's like the san Luis part right and and i'm i start going i, I look at my google map like okay this is the part of the route where it looks like it's just going to be kind of these square miles like fields and i'm thinking wow that, that might be as boring as like fargo or moorhead right like what's it gonna be? could it be windy and it was more like the a combination of the the presque isle farms and and yet the grid pattern of like a um, red river valley so it was very clear cut like okay i can go straight and take these turns every half mile or so but the yards were more intimate there was a, a hill here or there some long stretches of flats but there, there would be an occasional turn and the houses were anywhere from like a one acre grass yard to maybe like a four or five acre they take up the whole plot and you could see some horses or you know it was like it wasn't super fancy houses either you know you were looking in that more uh, 1970s to 1990 design and and uh, modular, you know, split level, all that, all sorts of different things, and really peaceful. Again, great roads, not like they were well maintained, so excellent for cycling, excellent for cycling, and not dangerous because that you know the speed limits on the roads are probably 35. They they weren't they weren't hauling across these, which that would be different than where I grew up. You know, everything's like 55 when you're kind of in that farm country, but oh, it was just amazing. Um, so yeah, tooled around there and went back in, got in the sprinter van, drove it home. Okay. And then drove home through a storm, a oh, bad storm, but, but my, my van was a champ, it drove really nice. And I even was shifting in, I would have been, the race car drivers would have been so proud of me. I was, I was using all the different gears on the uphills and the downhills to, to be nice to the engine, 
got it all the way up to our home, parked it, and then a bunch of snow fell and the temperature dropped to 15 below or something like that. And it was a fail because we think we got some gelling. You know, I didn't, I didn't, when I filled up, I didn't put in my, my power diesel supplement and probably should have, but I, I was thinking too here in Colorado, maybe, maybe at this point now we're late enough where they're starting to put that in the diesel. Well, definitely not. So it was kind of like, you know, 65, 70 degrees one day, the next, next morning it was negative zero, <laughs> negative five. And, and I think I gelled up because the next day tried to pull out or yeah, I tried to start up my car and, and it would not go. And so that started this whole week of just a beyond, beyond realistic amount of stress. I, I just started a doing some remote teaching uh, and which has been super fun but learning about all the new technologies that are involved in this everything from, I'm gonna I'm gonna say a few things that my listeners probably have no idea what they are but everything from learning the Schoology platform to figuring out how to edit PDFs on Kami and upload things through that device to creating Flipgrid uh, classrooms and videos and uh, Pear Deck slides on Google Slides and I mean on top of the fact that I've had to deal with all the the new regular new job stuff where you're finding you know your official documents from when you were 10 that said you went to school and sending those to HR and and um, you know emailing people for this figuring out what your pay scale is filling out the health forms and um, uh, oh, just <laughs> it's been nuts it's been a crazy last couple of weeks I mean I haven't gotten uh, gotten a, a peaceful night's rest for a little while but but to make top matters off that so we had the sprinter van I'm thinking it's sitting in my lot now what did I do did I just we did we just throw away a bunch of money in this car is it is it a me- lemon or did I, is it just me just being dumb hopefully it's just me being dumb but we called triple a to come out and uh, try to to jump start it or at first I called them out to charge the battery because I thought maybe actually the battery just was bad overnight well it turns out the battery was fine and we tried jump starting it that didn't work so now we're, now it's like well it's not even jump starting it's got to be something else called called three or four Mercedes people meanwhile I, all day all of my normal like sports reading time I've been spending reading through manuals watching YouTube videos right I, I've basically earned a PhD in um, diesel mechanics here in the last um, six days uh, I mean not exactly, but but for from where I started to where I am now <laughs> is a pretty much essentially that. I mean, I I almost went out today and replaced the fuel filter and did an oil change myself. So I mean, if if my dad's out there listening right now, he may have just fainted. So send paramedics. Um, but so I've been spending all this time doing that. I've been calling people, and the frustrating thing a little bit is I've talked to three or four different like sprinter van specialists out of boulder in denver and they, they've given me oh, oh this is what it is right your battery sucks and that's the reason you're not getting any issue i'm like oh well we we couldn't even jump start like it can't be a battery issue oh, no it is that's that's it is what that is so i'm like well i got triple a baby i'll get a triple a battery don't get a triple a battery triple a batteries are awful you know you got to get this like, well what am i supposed to do man i got this sprinter van sitting on the top of a mountain in the middle of leadville you know like so that was one guy and Another guy told me, you know, get easy start, you'll be fine, that thing will start. You know, easy start could like blow up the entire, you know, Beaver Lakes estate if I do that wrong. And you're not even supposed to do that when you have uh, glow plugs and (laughs) that guy, good thing I didn't listen to him. I called another AAA guy to come out and the reason was is we were hoping um, what, what, what was I hoping actually when I called the second AAA guy? I'm trying to remember now. Um, I can't even, my mind is so fried. I, I, well, I, first I called the AAA person to come out because I thought they would give a, give me a new battery. 
And so then I go on the line, AAA, they say, yeah, you can you can do that. We have the battery for the for the 2005 Dodge Burner 2500 turbo diesel, so 170 wheelbase. You know, like we got that. And then I call the real person. This is at like 5.30 in the morning. You know, I've been waking up at like 5.15. I'll do a lesson plan for like an hour. Then I'll go for an hour run, come back, hop on, start teaching. And so I'm talking to AAA super early. This this lady was not thrilled. She said, no, we don't. I'm sorry, we don't offer that battery. Uh, but we can send someone to jump the the car. I'm like, well, that's not going to do anything. And, and we already tried that. And like, well, I'm sorry. Well, you know, maybe they, I just took it because I'm like, maybe this guy will come out and give me something else. Right. And so anyway, we set that up. These people came out, AAA came out yesterday afternoon and it was the same guy who pumped up my Jeep tire. So we had a great conversation about Jim or the Jeep and um, how that thing is just absolutely a hunk of junk, but it was fun to kind of rekindle our friendship. Um, I got great friendships with the AAA people. The other guy I had uh, a side note here, quick story. We jumped. No, we had, we called AAA to do uh, to change a tire. No, what was it? I can't remember. Tow Jimmer. It was something with Jimmer. The guy who came was from Caribou, Maine. This was like a week into us moving from Prescott to Leadville. Just epic, absolutely epic. So anyway. Um, back to this guy, he's, he's, we, he and I are talking and we're, we're talking about some different ideas. He, he points out that my coolant's low and he says, maybe that's it, but he doesn't really know sprinters too well. You know, they're kind of their own, their own thing. It's a little bit like, you know, if you went to Concordia college and you had a, uh, music degree and two people with music degrees, but one of them, uh, you were in the Concordia choir and then the other person would be like just a normal person. You know, that's, that's kind of the difference, right? Like the Concordia choir would be a little more Mercedes Benz sprinter. And this guy, he knows all diesel, but sorry, I can't really help you here. Uh, but anyway, we didn't get far other than I basically determined that I'm going to have to deal with this myself. Like I can't, I don't know what, what, what we're going to do. So the stress is just weighing on me. It's just weighing. And, uh, Saturday today, went into town, picked up all my oil change, my Mobile One Zero W40 for the cold weather. When I do, finally do my oil change and my Mobile One filter and all the top of the line products, and I I did get some new coolant. I did put some of that in because it was a little low, but I'm a little nervous because I I don't. You're yeah, I really should flush the coolant, but didn't do that. I, I was a little nervous to really do too much there. So I know it's not ideal to add, but I think I added probably the exact same kind that, that the previous owner did put in. So I don't think we're like mixing things too poorly. And, um, yeah, we didn't get, we didn't get it started today. 44 degrees. We're hoping tomorrow, 54 degrees that it's going to be warm enough to just deal with the fuel filter. Oh, oh, for those of you out there screaming at your, uh, radio, wondering if I use the 911 power diesel to D de- uh, to, to thaw out, right. That to fix the gelling issue. I did put that in the fuel tank and we didn't get it started, but I, I was way too nervous and I didn't have diesel on hand to take out the fuel filter and put that in there. And with a 50, 50 diesel gasoline and, or diesel, uh, nine one one mixture. So I didn't do that. And, and that's probably the, the one thing, if I was a real tech techno dude, I would do and fix it. Uh, of course, there's no engine block installed, so that was kind of the next thing today, looking at oil pan heaters and what's the best best bargain there. And I finally did order one, so the chronicles of the Sprinter van are going to definitely be, I know we weren't, we weren't, you probably weren't thinking you were going to hear this, but this is important um, in some way, shape, or form. So uh, I guess I should just say we'll keep you updated 
on the Cedar Skier Mobile, the state of the Cedar Skier Mobile. Maybe we can get a live tour, put it on the blog. I can show you the inside. I can show you where we're going to rest our bones the night before the alley loop race and uh, how it's going to go. And it, it's just epic. You know, it, it's so fun. I have, I've slept in it one night. It, it was, it was magical. You know, it was everything I'd hoped and dreamed for. And then woke up the next morning and did that bike ride I just described to you in Grand Junction. And I was really hoping to return this weekend. It would have been excellent. Uh, but alas, here we are broadcasting from Leadville. And we're going to come back after the break and hop into the things I've heard uh, now that we gave you the life update. The things I, I heard and listened to that are giving me the grinding my gears a little bit in sports. We'll do that after the break. This is the Cedar Skier Podcast. You're listening to Skiologians on Shovel Lake Public Radio. Hey guys, it's Ryan Cedarquist of Skiologians and Cedar Skier Podcast and Cedarskier.com, the fastest growing blog on the internet. I just wanted to share uh, something with you about one of my favorite brands, Malto Meal. Malto Meal gives me a great combination of protein for muscle rebuilding after a workout, carbohydrates to fuel me before and replenish me after workouts, and it's got that ever important high amount of iron, so I never have to worry if I'm low on iron. Why? Because I eat Malto Meal. Malto Meal is manufactured or grown or whatever, produced in Northfield, Minnesota, which is my home state, and I am partial to it because I used to run at the St. Olaf Golf Course. So I would always smell the Malto Meal factory coming in. It made me feel like home. Malto Meal, get it in your grocery today. Style of your hair, shape of your rising your nose, the way you stare. All right, we're back on Skiologians. Thank you for joining us here on our Saturday morning special. And I just spent the last segment talking about an update with our productions and giving you a Sprinter Man story. Hopefully that was entertaining. Uh, but now it's time to get into the real stuff. Okay, So here has what has been bothering me a bit in the world lately. A couple of stories. So what this is basically is, you know, Training has still been going. It's so on all those hours that we're we're trying to spend running in the dark, um, skiing in the dark. That that has been. <laughs> that was this last week, the six days, our training days. It was an hour run in the dark on Beaver Lakes, just going up and down a steep gravel climb. Well, it was snow for Monday, Tuesday, um, and then cross country skiing on the golf course. And the first day we showed up there at four thirty was actually pretty nice. Next day, I could do a bunch of loops. We had like 10K. It was groomed. Excellent. Uh, the next next couple of days, it was me skiing. Uh, I made like my own paths. And, and the last the last two days, last three days, I just had a single classic track on one fairway going 500 yards just straight. And I just went up and down double pulling. And, you know, the snow at this point is an inch deep. So my skis are just, they're sliding fast on this wet ice mixture uh, double pulling into you know, right into grass, so I still was firm. It was actually good skiing, but uh, extremely boring. So I just did two hours of that uh, for the last three days. It was up and down, and it kind of honestly, now that you know some of the stress that was going on, uh, was was kind of effective in in dealing with it. I guess a little bit. Actually, I forgot to tell you that one of the days here on a remote teaching, five minutes before class started, my internet just went out. Oh my gosh! So <laughs> remote teaching. And we're sitting here, we've been emailing, we got the plan, it's all ready to go, the production is set up, and uh, 7, 7.50 comes, 
internet is everything's going but no pages are loading and so I, I frantically am going to the the, the router the mode everything like trying to troubleshoot and there's nothing that makes any sense and at about eight o'clock or 805 class supposed to start at eight that's when the zoom call is supposed to be on and it's live I'm like I, I just literally don't know what to do and I, I my phone does not call because it's connected to the internet so I have no way of getting hold of anyone I, I debated on just simply going outside digging a hole and just crawling into it you know and waiting for someone to discover me or or you know if i if i did right just just sit down and have a meltdown like maybe maybe just uh make a cheese pizza and eat the whole thing kind of a thing at, at eight in the morning and no one knows where i am right now no one right there's no connection i can't give i can't be reached i can't be rescued we're, we're just donezo okay but i did pull it together and i raced into jimmer jimmer saved me you know, and he is, and none of his tires work, and his, his alignment is awful, and he's a two-wheel drive Jeep. But we sped into town. I, when I, as soon as I got to the gate and I got to cell phone service, I called my principal, expecting to be, you know, just yelled at, and she was the most gracious and supportive person to me, which meant the world to me. And I flew up to uh, uh, the church, hopped in. The, the church was open, luckily, our church, and went down to the office and got connected to internet on my laptop and hopped into the Zoom call, and there are all my kids waiting for me. An hour after we were supposed to start, they were just there waiting. It was just, it was glorious, right? It went, it went from utter disaster to, to glory and, uh, and, and everything. So that was a stressful moment. <laughs> that day was stressful, right? We had the AAA people come and fail. We had the internet die. And so I finished the training out by, by double pulling up and down a fairway, 45 laps for two hours in a little single track. And it was beautiful. Under the full moon in Leadville was amazing on Mount Massive. The sky was clear. The stars were out. The Mount Massive range in the distance on the one side. The moon coming up on the other side, the Leadville side. It was, it was insanely picturesque. I mean, it, I, I, I almost, I kind of felt like just staying out there, you know, honestly, all night. The, the light was amazing from the moon. But anyway, what I, what I wanted to get to was I have been listening to news and some sports talk radio while I've been doing that. And so one of the stories that came up was this Mitchell Miller story. I don't know if you know, I don't, I don't know much of the details really, but essentially a, a, a high no, well, he's a college freshman, I believe now at UND, he will be a college freshman hockey player. And he was drafted in the fourth round by the Phoenix Coyotes. And um, apparently a story came out where um, uh, allegations of, of bullying, which I don't think they're really, I don't know what allegations, I shouldn't throw that word. I think it's actually, it's been proven, like this story of bullying. The the uh, situation is essentially that um, Mitchell bullied in junior high, as an eighth grader, he bullied a disabled um, African-American student just awful and they had like details that were there and so the the problem uh, i mean there's a lot of problems there right um the problem that was coming out was hey this kid's getting drafted i can't believe they're giving him this second chance you know after after being such an awful kid bullying this um disabled african-american classmate of his now he's getting drafted like that's just not fair you know and phoenix how could they do this and now phoenix coming out they they released the rights to him and which kind of caused even more backlash because it was like you know hey was did phoenix draft him knowing about this and now only since it's been brought up they decided to cut ties or was there actually truly they knew there was a bullying incident, but they didn't know the details? And if that's the case, what were what was the detail that led them to go, okay, we're done, we're cutting ties? Or was that cutting ties just still a result of this pressure 
from the outside. And so there's a lot of a lot of issues, a lot of moving parts here, but the thing I kind of wanted to bring up was the show I was listening to that brought this up. They were the group of sports talk show hosts were were kind of saying we have zero sympathy and grace for this Mitchell Miller kid. He's a he's a monster, right? And he should he deserves all these things coming to him, namely he deserves to be cut. He does not deserve to have a second chance. Um, and, and, and even they went so far as to say the, the, the person, the kid they, that he bullied, where was that kid's first chance? Okay. So, um, this kid had it awful. Miller deserves to have it awful. Don't you think? And I was kind of listening to that and thinking, or I, I wish I had written or wrote down the exact quote that kind of said, yep, this is the, this is the problem that we're dealing with right now in, in every sphere, I can't remember exactly what the main a main host or or someone had said, but it was essentially on that line of, "Hey, this kid, this kid that was bullied, he never got a first chance. So Mitchell Miller deserves to to kind of have some pain too, right? You know, the kid he bullied. Look at all the pain that that kid suffered. This guy, he needs some pain now. And and the guy, I know the person, the host is a devout atheist, and. Um, and the reason I bring that up is because a lot of the James White's uh, uh, dividing line shows, he's been doing a ton of talk about the woke movement and social justice. And um, one of the issues he, he kind of has brought up, which I think is important for us, especially as Christians, to understand is this idea of cosmic justice versus God's law. And he's got like an 80-part series, James White does, about God's law. And, and I am not an expert here. So I tried to listen to the Sweater Vest Dialogues with Doug Wilson and James White kind of talking about God's law. And that was helpful and it was good. But but I really need to go and listen to like the 80-part series where, where we really look into God's law. But the main takeaway, at least, that I'm getting from White and and these um, respected theologians that I, I do listen to a lot is, look, cosmic justice is is something that as a believer we, 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 we know is going to happen. God will judge every action um, in accordance with his justice and righteousness. So we need not fret about doling out um, quote co- that 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 level of cosmic justice to people. Okay, God will deal with that. And <clears throat> okay, that's maybe not a new concept. This idea of well, you know, God's going to deal with that. I think that's more what I grew up hearing is like uh, that. Just that that statement, which is a little vague, like like God's going to deal with it. But then the same people would say that would would very readily go and and exert <laughs> justice as they seemed fit in various places and even champion it or, or strive for it. And this isn't a show then, and this isn't a claim and white is certainly not this where he's saying, yeah, there's cosmic justice. So we should just be, you know, uh, lame, lame, uh, weak people off on the side, just, just letting things happen, not having consequences. That's not what white's going for at all, because that's, that's where the God's law comes in. Like God's law, he's clearly put in these, um, these, uh, rules is the wrong word, but, but these principles of here is how, um, justice here on earth 
should be taken out so that your society is run well. You know, essentially back in Exodus, Leviticus, where there's all those kind of, you've got if someone murders someone, the uh, and there's falsely accused and two witnesses, all, the, all those things that, that uh, people bring up, Christians bring up that uh, this is why they, they had that in the, Israel, in the old ancient Israelites, you know, old ancient Israel. Um, so there's that element, right? You have God's law, we have cosmic justice. And if you don't believe there's a God, you don't believe in the God of the Bible, that cosmic justice element, this is White's argument, is that they're going to strive for that now. And why shouldn't they, right? They don't believe there's a God. They don't believe there's any of that. So we need to deal with this cosmic element, this cosmic justice, final justice right now, because we're just stardust. Our thoughts and minds are, are evolved uh, plasma, protoplasma. And so when we're done and we're dead, like it's, that's it. Okay, and so I guess if I was on that boat, I, I can understand why you would think as this host did, like, hey, person A received pain, the person B who gave that pain, he deserves to feel some pain too, right? That would only be fair. And, you know, so how God is going to dole out that cosmic justice, that's, this is one of the greatness, this is one of the great things, because even me as a believer, and, and I'm going to be saved, and like God is going to deal with all of my wrongdoings. He still is going to bring those things to justice. There's going to be justice for all of my sins and all my wrong actions. It's just, for me as a believer, like, uh, um, Christ's death is dealing with that, you know, and the unbeliever doesn't have an advocate there, doesn't have something cover, covering that. And so, <clears throat> you know, that's between him and God. But the point is, is no action is going unnoticed. No action will go unpunished. And there will never, there will not be any uh, lack of justice, you know, but if you don't believe in any of that, or you don't think that you're not, a, you, I shouldn't say you don't believe, if you don't, if you're not in accordance with that reality, then cosmic justice is going to be something you want to bring about now. So this story to me, it, it brought that, that to life, this merging of here, are these things I keep hearing about James White and social justice and social movement and the woke movement and how they don't, they, they're trying to do deal with cosmic justice now and that whole issue. I sort of saw that interconnection and see theologians. It's all about that, right? The intersection of sports and, and theology. And, and so there it was, is I was frustrated as I listened to these, uh, sports talk show hosts just go, you know, and, and it's, is it an easy, is it an easy stance? Or I should say, is it a hard stance to be on, the, to walk the line of, oh, what a monster? No, we, we don't disagree with the monstrosity of the acts of Mitchell Miller. It, it, it was horrific on every account, you know, but they took it a, a step too far because it's by what standard are they going to be doling out this justice now, right? They're saying he should have this and he should never be hired and he deserves to feel pain. It's like, okay, now that's where we went too far. That's not your job to be dealing with the the um, ultimate justice in this situation. And so I, I'm very frustrated by that as I heard it, but, but interesting how this is all connected. And it, I think the frightening part is, okay, so now... For whatever reason, believer or unbeliever, atheist or Christian or Muslim, we can all kind of look at the situation with Mitchell Miller where he is uh, taking, you know, he, the example they, they told, the incident was he took a piece of candy, rubbed it against a urinal and made this um, African-American disabled student lick the candy, right? Like, okay, no one's going to go, well, that's not that bad. You know, like we all are sitting here going, I, we can't even really fathom. It just makes us feel 
icky and gross inside. We go, what if that was my kid, right? Like I just, it's, it's so dark. Okay. So to take the stance, the hard line stance on Mitchell Miller isn't, isn't a hard take. And yet the reality is, is we're all living in this world of sin. We all are sinning into the a holy and righteous God. These are all, uh, any, any act of sin is, is any act of disobedience against him, right, is just really ruffling his feathers. <laughs> Maybe a, one way to say it, right? So who are we to act as judge on any of these people and go, well, he deserves that. But, you know, when I'm watching, you know, and, and these guys of this show, I know, you know, like just based on what they're talking about on a daily basis and they flaunt it, you know, they're, they're going to Vegas, hooking up with strippers, um, watching pornography, joking about pornography, uh, totally diff- di- uh, just uh, making a black mark on the marriage, on, on the marriage bed and marriage in general. And that's awful. That's evil, right? It's, it's horrific, you know, and to a holy God, that is, that is, that's deserving of death. So are you to, to go and look at Mitchell Miller and go, yep, this guy deserves to live an awful rest of his life, but I'm going to still just do everything I'm doing because I'm not that bad. And I think that there's, again, that in, internal inconsistency in their argument, you know, because what's being revealed here is, is a totally subjective standard of where punishment needs to be doled out. And we should be a little nervous about that because at what point do they go, can you believe those bigoted Christians who are, you know, um, standing, you know, insert any any stance that a Christian should have because of biblical authority and how that would be, quote, offensive to an unbeliever given our current worldview. They could come at us and and level with us and say, that's just despicable. You know, they deserve XYZ punishment. I, I think that's, maybe that's, hopefully that's far off in the future. It's not something that's close, but you kind of do see the society trending that way. So that's the Mitchell Miller story there. How about this a little more sports oriented? When we come back, the Minnesota Vikings kind of taking some mysterious rebuilding strategies. That's uh, next on our segment um, uh, here on the Cedars Gear Podcast, Shovel Lake Public Radio. New episodes of the Cedar Scare Podcast are dropping on Thursday. Ivan Bobikov joins the show, a three-time Olympian who really came from nothing all the way up to the top. He had some high, high hopes. We can't wait to drop that episode. We hope you take a listen. You can on Anchor or go to cedarskier.com to listen to that episode. If you want to sponsor the Cedar Scare Podcast or Skeologians, I don't know, just go to our Anchor and click on that button that says to sponsor or something or you can get a hold of me i guess if you really want to make a donation for our shows and to uplift the dream of the fastest growing podcast in the nation oh man you know coming back from break i teased talking about minnesota vikings and i'm looking at my show prep and it's like gosh i got way too many topics i want to get to and you know, my mom says you got to keep this thing less than like a half hour. People are falling asleep. You know, uh, I, I, I spent 20 minutes talking about Sprinter Vans. You know, that was the problem right away. I opened with a 20-minute Sprinter Van segment. So call this the Sprinter Van episode. Anyway, I I had a lot of things I, w- I wanted to get to on this show. I just don't know if I'm going to be able to. And I can't decide. Like, is the Vikings, is that really the most important thing? 
to get to. You know, um, I think before we get there, actually, I just want to talk generally about is anyone else is anyone else annoyed by the fact that that we're finding out every single case of COVID that that occurs in every single athlete? Like <laughs> this occurred to me. So I'm scrolling on ESPN. They, they usually have their five or six top stories of the day. And for the last like 16 days, longer probably, but it's it's intensified since fall sports, since college football and baseball and all that really kind of started to heat up. Every day, they will have one or, one or two of those stories of the five will will be a, the name of an athlete who tested positive for COVID. And it, I guess like earlier on, you know, in June, July, August, it, it maybe, yeah, it started out as big names. You know, you, you found out that Kevin Durant tested positive for COVID. Uh, and you found out that uh, like the LA Clippers in, in the in the bubble, they were a, a finals favorite. Well, then they had a couple of COVID cases and people were, you know, one of their key six men, Patrick Williams or whoever it was that was like going, he went, he went to a funeral. So he left the bubble, but then on the way home, he went to an Atlanta strip club and it was like totally irresponsible. And so there was all this hullabaloo. It's like, to me that, that seemed somewhat justified because here's a guy who is just not considering his team's title aspirations and is really not taking that seriously. Plus he's not really taking the whole health crisis seriously. And that was in June. So it was, we were still kind of like, we're not totally sure what we know about this virus and we're, we're trying to come back slowly. So let's do it right. Um, but now it's like literally Pee Wee Herman of Shovel Lake High School, COVID positive, you know, fifth stringer for the Minnesota Vikings defensive uh, backs. Actually, you know, <laughs> let's combine two stories in one here, you know, because that guy would now be a starter. But you'll say stuff like that. You'll say like, you know, uh, Tchaikovsky test positive for COVID. And you're like, who is that? You know, and so you click on it and you find out it's like backup third baseman for the Cincinnati Reds who have actually been in the offseason for 10 weeks, tested, uh, uh, his name is uh, Rafael um, Alfonso Jr. tested positive for COVID. It's like, who cares? I don't know. Like, I, and, and the thought occurred to me is it used to be that to be in the top five stories on ESPN, you had to do something amazing, like hit four home runs in a game or drop 50 points on the San Antonio Spurs or catch two touchdowns in the fourth quarter and win the game. It's like now all you have to do, it doesn't matter who you are. If you test positive for COVID and you are an athlete, you will show up on ESPN. So I don't know. I think now I don't want to take this virus not seriously, but if we are really looking to try and draw ratings here for our Cedar Skier factory team, I mean, maybe it's time that we we try to get an athlete on board who's willing to get the virus um, in training or a training camp or right before a race would be ideal, you know, um, to so that we could show up on ESPN. I don't know. It, it's just it's frustrating. Like it, it is. It really is. And, and hey, we're trying to go back. You said this, this could be a little political, but we're trying to get back to normal. Right. We're going to have an increase in cases that's not something we should be alarmed at um i think for me anyway the only thing that is still alarming about coronavirus would be the threat of uh, hospitals being overwhelmed okay but I, I again now that we've had this long enough we realize despite the fact that it is highly transmissible the threat of needing hospitalization is not what we thought back in march and so i, I do think like 
okay, we might see a ton of cases, but but the number of people who will need to go on ventilators potentially does not appear that that's like we would have a situation where there would be 100 ventilators available and 40,000 people, right? And we'd have to go that there was they were talking early on that you know, and like in Italy where they were ra- they were making these choices and it was very, it seemed very inhumane. Like that was frightening for good reason, but I think we know enough that now that that shouldn't be too much of a scare. Plus we actually bolstered you know, that was one thing that we really did do well, I think, as a country, is, like, bolstering the cap- the capacity. So that's not as much a concern. The other thing, I guess, again, for me, personally, selfish, you can bash me if you want, but we still don't understand the long-term effects. If you actually did get COVID, like, will it increase your risk of, of getting throat cancer when you're 60? You know, that to me, that's something that uh, we should all, we would still have a right to be frightened by, since the nature of the virus is is kind of disturbing it's not something you know it's brand new it's novel it could have some sort of side effect like that or maybe if you get coronavirus you know like um something that that affects your fertility or your lifespan or your vo2 max that was something that was talked about early on with young people it's like hey you know it might decrease your vo2 max by 80 percent. so if you're a young athlete that should be reason enough to keep you uh uh kind of afraid and on edge and so that those are the things that kind of keep me on edge but this whole like i guess uh, making a big deal out of three people on the Houston Astros now got coronavirus. That doesn't, that shouldn't matter to anyone. I, I don't think, but Hey, maybe it's just me. So anyway, that was, there's our little COVID insert and, uh, just getting kind of annoyed cause it's hard to, it's hard to even find out what's going on. But I guess it kind of brings me to my second, second point I wanted to bring up is does sports feel the same to anyone right now? I mean, I know it's kind of like, cliche that we're living in different times and so everything is different school work you name it going to the grocery store sitting in church it's all different but man I it's just it's depressing that sports is now kind of going on but I just don't care like what happened and so I you know listening to the prediction for this week's Vikings Packers game I I could care less about the Vikings Packers you know, like when I was twelve, I really the the uh, the my entire emotional state for the rest of the month was dependent upon the outcome of that game. And now I literally was kind of like, I I hope just for the sake of something to talk about, I hope Aaron Rodgers throws for like eight touchdowns and we lose eighty to nothing. That would be awesome because it would be something kind of interesting. Like I don't know. So sports to me right now it doesn't feel the same i'm trying to figure out why i am trying to figure out why i think a lot of it is the just constant um again being forced down your face of the of the the coronavirus and it's tied to this everyone is making such a big deal okay wisconsin quarterback got COVID. he's out for three weeks or oh the big 10 canceled now they're back oh let's get mad at trump because he said that was him bringing it back and and the Big Ten shouldn't have come back. And, oh, we have cross-country, but now everyone has to wear a mask while they're running on a course in the middle of northern Minnesota. You know, it's like, and we can't have, we can have sections, but it's going to be two different days, and there's no state meet. And I think there's some of that where it's like, okay, well, I just don't care. Like, I don't care about the outcome of this because it's not real. It's it's just, it's thrown together, you know, and, and no one cares. And um, baseball was especially that. I If we would have won the World Series, I'd have been ticked because, of course, you know, the first time in 30 years a Minnesota team wins the World Series, it'd be on a 60-game, two-week-long season where everyone makes the playoffs. It just, oh, 
who cares? I'd be kind of upset if I was a Dodgers fan, by the way, because, you know, they won. They've been to like three or four World Series and got ripped off. They played against the Astros. The Astros cheated and, you know, cheated them out of a couple of titles. And now they finally won. Good for you guys. You won the 60-game season World Series. Uh, kind of depressing. So I think that that kind of the, the there's some sort of lack of validity right now that is, for me anyway, making it not seem to matter. Now, I will say the NBA, to me, was totally legit um, from a from the stance of they played almost the entire season. So really they had to just finish the playoffs. Um, and and um, fans are important in the NBA, but I think probably a little less. In fact, I think uh, the NBA was probably more fair sans fans because refs aren't impacted as much by the home crowd. So I actually thought, you know, it, LeBron's fourth title, that's totally legit. And what they had to go through in the bubble and everything would have been actually, I think, pretty difficult. So I give full credit for that title. I think it's absolutely legit. And I did somewhat care. I never watched the NBA games, but I can't watch those anyway because I've never had cable. So to me, that was a, a legit run end of the season um, and kind of cool. But everything else is just and, – and the NFL, I'll say the NFL – since we're starting a full season, it looks like, you know, they're going to mow through no matter what happens. That that will be legit, but it's we're not sharing in it. And that's kind of what I realized in the, in the NBA Finals. It's like, man, even if this is my team, you know, part of the fun is seeing the fans there. The, the fan-athlete connection is totally gone. So, I mean, that just absolutely doesn't matter. And I, I sort of feel the same way with these games. You know, watching Packer-Vikings week is fun no matter what the team's records are, partially because we have the rivalry Wisconsin-Minnesota. And without seeing drunk Wisconsinites in the stands with their cheese heads on, you know, getting upset that we're winning by 17 on, at Lambeau Field, and the silence you hear is Lambeau Field, without that, it just doesn't matter. And vice versa, you know, when they come into the Dome and get rocked by us, doesn't matter. So I'm actually a little more, I, I hope we get spanked and I hope we get that kind of out of our system and, and that the Vikings continue the rebuild, which brings us to um, my next, my next talker here is what is going on with the Minnesota Vikings and their mysterious rebuilding strategies. Okay. So I get it. <clears throat> We're not having the season we all dreamed of. Um, but I, I'm not sure I'm in favor of this Anika Ngakwe release. Now, there's there's two ways I could go with it. One, I absolutely hate it because if we're in rebuild mode, let's hold on to this 25-year-old stud, okay? Like, we're not going to draft someone who's... <laughs> or the chances of us drafting someone who is better than him in his position is low, so he's already young. He's He could be part of that rebuild. I think that's an obvious, like, why would you get rid of him? But on the other side, are we getting rid of him because it looks like he just wanted to go to Baltimore anyway, so I don't think he was happy here at all. And um, if that's the case, then there's then it, even if despite his age and talent, we can't keep him around. So maybe good on our general manager for trying to get something back for him. Okay, but so that's the first thing. Is, thought that was a little strange. Okay. Um, second, what I think we could do, or maybe should be doing, is getting rid of all those players that we love. So the Adam Thielens, great guy, homegrown. He's worked his way up. He's everything we would aspire and want in a in a player to keep on the Vikings. He does all the little things great. Um, he right now has a higher value than what he is actually worth, I think. Um, and he also, his ceiling has definitely been reached. 
and his age is a concern in his position. So we he will only go down from here. And the question is, is, is he going to be able to be a big-time contributor for the Vikings when we are relevant? And I would just say, no, there's no way. But but if we if we sent him off to a, a team that was kind of on the verge of contending, man, he could fit the puzzle for that team to get over the hump. And we could maybe get something in return for him that would be valuable in helping our rebuild. So as it, it, it it's hard for me to say, right? I, I love the Adam Thielen story, and I like who he is as an athlete. And I would love for him to be on a, a Viking for life and rack up huge numbers for us. But honestly, the, the smartest thing right now would definitely be to kind of do like an Eric Decker situation. On he's, he's better than Eric Decker, but Eric Decker had a monster statistical season when he had a great receiver. So then he got traded away to the Jets for a, a boatload of, of uh, picks and everything for the Broncos. And, and uh, this was, you know, eight, nine years ago or whatever. But that's kind of what I think we have to do with Thielen is, okay, yep, look at the, these gaudy numbers he had, which kind of came about because of a combination of his ability, Stefan Diggs taking attention away, Kirk Cousins being sort of a garbage time statistician, right? And so as good as Thielen is, he is definitely an 80 to 100 catch per season in, in the wide receiver two role. He's not Moss. He's not going to stretch the field. He's not going to He's not gonna do anything like that. He is a, he's a 1A or 2, or I'm sorry, a 1B receiver or a 2. Right now he's 1B because Jefferson is a rookie. And so, I mean, Jefferson is is above Thielen, I think, in ceiling, talent, you know, his effect on defense, everything. Um, but I, I would say Thielen is still maybe the better receiver because he's a little more reliable, route running, dependability. He can he does all those those little things. He's smart, right? He's a fighter, and and so again, I like all those things. But I think the value of Thielen, he's far more valuable as trade bait for the Vikings, as someone who, yeah, let's keep him around. And I think you could say the same thing about Harrison Smith, and I think you could say the same thing about, um, who's that other guy we got in the back, uh, our defensive back that we just signed, Newman? No, not Newman. I can't remember. Anyway, uh, those guys, okay, I think it's time to unload. If we're going to, if Kyle Rudolph, right, ship these people away who are much more valuable as assets. And and by the way, this could be a win-win for both people. It's a win for the Vikings. We get something for these guys. It's a win for the players because they get to go somewhere where they can compete for a title, which they deserve. I think Thielen deserves that. I think uh, the Harrison Smith does too. So it's, I think, I, I worry that that we, um, that they will not see better days and sun on the, on the horizon. And now I don't understand contracts and working, but I think potentially what the Vikings have put themselves in is all these great players we love, we rewarded them for being loyal. We were loyal to them, right? We paid them and we, we gave them these contracts that are kind of like, you know what? We want you around. We are the kind of guy that, that we want in the Minnesota Vikings culture. I'm all for that. But the, the, the drawback is when you have something like this happen where all of a sudden you have to go into rebuild mode, um, you're, you're really in a tough spot. You know, because you can't get rid of these people. No one's going to take on their contracts. So trades are probably really hard. So now I'm talking to myself out of what I just said. Uh, and and so the flip side, and if I'm going to be really optimistic, which is hard to do as a Minnesota fan, I think what we have to hope and believe is that we're actually not in a rebuild mode. You know, it looks like we could go 2-14, and 14, but that doesn't mean we're in a rebuild mode. We're more like Golden State last year, right? We had untimely injuries we have some inexperience at important positions but really let's keep the nucleus together let's keep the coaches together let's keep the system in place another year to learn let's grow and next year we're going to be just firing on all cylinders if that's the case 
that would be awesome and we'll keep everyone around for it but um if we're in a rebuild mode then you got to go rebuild mode and you got to use your assets to your advantage okay so there's your take and you can't you can't get mad at me for that take because it's both right all you homers out there should be that the thing i just said you should be amen amen to that we're not in rebuild mode we might go two and 14 but it's okay we're gonna draft um a, a key player will be right there kurt can lead us there he's he's gonna be fine you know and and those those of you who are more skeptical or more realistic or whatever you want to call it um you you should be able to at least follow my line of reasoning there so i think that's all we're gonna be able to get to on this show though i had more you know want to talk about um <clears throat> talk about covid cancellation postseason sports uh also got wanted to get to my latest book crazes i was talking about i've, I've been reading all these lance armstrong books so uh it's been great um <laughs> but i don't think we can launch into that the tail end here so we might just have to leave it at that for this this edition of a saturday ski skiologian cedar skier podcast productions i hope you enjoyed it and i hope you decide to uh to follow our blog and follow our Anchor podcast, listen to more episodes. And, of course, this Thursday we're going to be dropping that Ivan Bobikov podcast. It's all ready to go, and it is inspirational. If you didn't hear part one, go back and listen to it. Part two is super cool. He talks about his uh, rise from from just from journeyman cedar skier status, right, and to World Cup in, like, two days, you know. And, it was, I mean, not two days. I shouldn't say it like that. But it, it was, you know, the journey was long, but, but the, the surge from – being a no one to all of a sudden being thrust onto the stage was was kind of a, a crazy, crazy thing. So he talks about that, and I think it's it's very fascinating and inspirational to all athletes, all types of people, um, to just kind of keep a dream alive. So with that, uh, we're glad that you joined us here on this Saturday, and we hope you have a good rest of your weekend. This is Ryan Cedarquist on Skiologians, and uh, we'll see you next time on the Skier Podcast, Shovel Lake Public Radio. <laughs> Not the way I see it. I'm gonna be a mighty king, so enemies beware. Well, I've never seen a king or beast with quite so little hair. I'm gonna be the main event, like no king was before. I'm brushing up, I'm looking down, I'm working on my board. <laughs> That's far rather an inspiring thing. If you think No one's saying do this Now when I said that No one's saying be there What I meant was No one's saying stop that No one's saying see here Now see here We don't run around all day Well that's definitely out
beg your pardon, madam, but get off, Cinder. Nala!